Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Luke 15, verses 1 through 10, which can be found in your Pew Bible, page 850. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins... If she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Well, we could go home now and we'd have already had church, but uh, I've still got something I want to say. <laughs> My earliest images of God were, it might have been like yours, it was the, uh, uh, the white man with the white beard with the white robe on the white cloud mostly uh, dispensing holy demands about my behavior. Uh, the problem is there's no biblical image that looks like that at all. Instead, there is an image of God as a woman on all fours looking under the sofa because she's lost something. The Jesus stories just really disrupt things, don't they? They, they don't fit like they ought to fit, we think. Now, my image of God usually ended in me feeling guilty. The Jesus stories we're looking at today end in joy. So, uh, I think we ought to get to the stories that Jesus speaks to the people and to us. Well, well right before today's story, Jesus had been invited to a dinner by one of the Pharisee leaders. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about all of Jesus' negative wranglings with the Pharisees and all that. But here, he gets invited to dinner by a Pharisee. He goes. Jesus' love is so abundant. His boundaries are so wide. Anybody who invites him to dinner 
Jesus is going to go. Well, there were others invited to this Sabbath meal too. The gathering progresses. The people are coming in. Jesus watches as these folks start to jockey for position. Some of the guests are trying to elbow their way into places of honor at the table. And as you might imagine, this just drives Jesus berserk. So he says to the host, when, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they might invite you in return. Oh, you'd be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Well, who does this? As you might imagine, he's telling this story at this dinner party. The society crowd in pearls is just having a fit. Who in the world invites the homeless to brunch at the club? But throughout the Gospels, Jesus keeps this invitation of radical hospitality, this open embrace of all people, and not not only is he talking about this in every place he goes, but every place he goes and talks about it is driving the power structure absolutely crazy. But Jesus' message always turns things upside down for the power. Well, anyway, I'm telling this earlier banquet story because it's a background to today's story. He's just gotten through with this exchange about the banquet, which got everybody so riled up in chapter 14. Now we're in chapter 15. He's about to give the same message and rile people up again. It starts, our passage for today starts this way. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Obviously, there's something wrong with this guy. He treats everybody just the same. A little behind the scenes. When I'm doing sermon work in the study, and I don't know where it's going to go, I usually start by reading it to look for something that, just something odd or something that operates kind of like a speed bump that I hadn't ever gone over before or, or some word or phrase that just catches me funny. It happened this week. One of those things that just flashes, look at me, look at me, look at me. Sometimes it's a word, a passage, it's odd. This is the line that snagged me this week. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to him. Does that strike you as odd? We can't get folks who grew up in church to come near to Jesus. We can't motivate the good folks who mow their lawn and volunteer at the PTA. In today's culture, church and faith in Jesus are mostly in disregard by the good people of Atlanta. How is it that the sinners and the outcast of society were actually coming near to Jesus? The tax collectors, they're considered traitors because they'd sold themselves to the Romans, and they're elbowing their way to get closer to listen to Jesus. 
And the sinners, who knows what category? They may have committed a serious crime. They may have broken ritual purity laws, whatever. But anyway, they are the despised and outcast of the community. And yet they're trying to get near to Jesus. Well, figure that out. Tax collectors and sinners, a whole swath of people who just do not believe and behave properly. They're the folks society rejects. They're the people who make us uncomfortable. And they're not getting up and getting the kids ready to go to temple services either. Because they aren't welcome there anyhow. What is it? about this sweeping hospitality of Jesus that has the forgotten and the despised coming near. Giving up a half day to just try to get close enough to hear this rabbi speak. I contend that it is Jesus' obvious and open and overwhelming sense of inclusion. Today we're celebrating our partnership with those who have committed their lives to this kind of radical hospitality that draws people in, that draws people near. People like Trina and Missy and Janae Angel and other ministry partners around the globe who have opened wide their arms to the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. They're modeling for us what this kind of open embrace of all humanity ought to look like. Missy and Francis are in East Africa, Uganda, listed as one of the most corrupt places on the planet. The country is heavily in debt. The citizens are poor. 37% of the population lives on less than a dollar and a quarter a day. And nowhere but the Jesus world are these people invited to the banquet. Except there's Missy standing in the doorway saying, y'all are welcome in here. Come on in here. Because of Jesus, you've got a place in here where you're going to be loved. Come on. Salvation starts with welcome and ends in joy. And then there's Trina working in one of the most discarded places of Miami, Hard streets and hard stories. Last night, Trina was a guest in our home, and she kept us up past my bedtime. (laughs) We sat up telling stories and listening to stories and heartbreaking stories. But Trina heard Jesus say, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, Of course, in her case, the banquet is George Trussler flipping burgers uh, on the grill. I don't know if you can call that a banquet or not. (laughs) But Trina is this hostess of radical hospitality. She's the one ringing the bell for these forgotten children who are coming to learn and play and hear the life-altering news that Jesus loves them. And they are not forgotten. They are loved. The salvation starts with welcome and it ends in joy.
I guess somewhere along the way, people who minister in churches with tall steeples might have lost credibility with the forgotten ones. Maybe we started inviting friends and brothers and rich neighbors to the banquet and the forgotten ones stopped coming near. But when Missy or Trina rings the bell, those on the margins experience something of the far-reaching welcome of Jesus and their lives get changed. Okay, back to our story. There's a huddle of listeners around Jesus, sinners, tax collectors, common folks, and the curious. They're grumbling Pharisees and temple workers. And in this mix of humanity, the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus tells two parables. They're both parables about the nature of God. They're obviously duplicate stories, first about a man, second about a woman. Both of them have lost something. The first parable is a parable about a shepherd who's lost one of his 100 sheep. One of the 100 has gone astray. And Jesus asks, which one of you, having 100 sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Well, nobody. Nobody would leave the 99 in the dangers of the wilderness to go chasing after one sheep. Play the odds here. Apparently Jesus would. In the second parable, there's a woman who's lost one of her ten silver coins. She spends day and night searching for this. She's looking in the, under the cushions on the sofa. She's gone to the car, looked down that crack on, in the seat. I mean, she's looking all over the place. She lights a lamp. She sweeps the house until she can find what's lost. Remember, these are parables about God. And they're parables about the exchange that's just happened with the Pharisees. These parables are in response to being accused for eating and welcoming with sinners. In the first, God is imaged as a shepherd. And shepherds are hardly royalty. They're, they're considered uncouth. They're vagrants. Hardly a suitable metaphor for something true about God. And comparing God to a woman, that would have offended the Pharisees uh, just unmeasurably. How could you compare the all-powerful, all-knowing God to a culturally powerless woman? And yet, these are Jesus' metaphors for the Holy One. And both of them are on their hands and knees looking for the lost. God is looking for the lost. But here's the important part. It is God who does the finding and the saving. The parables are about God. What Jesus is modeling for us is the radical hospitality that draws people close enough that they might hear something about the saving love of God.
in an essay on this passage, Penny Nixon notes the difference between welcoming and saving. And this line is hard to hear. She says that most religious folks are more comfortable with saving the lost than with welcoming those we perceive to be lost. Hmm. Saving, she says, is about power. Welcoming is about intimacy. Today we're celebrating those who welcome. We're celebrating and giving thanks for those who've committed their lives to this kind of radical hospitality so that the forgotten are not forgotten. And part of our call as a church is to keep supporting these efforts, to keep praying and giving and going. We hope that your mission offerings will go up, that our mission offerings will go up, that we'll be more generous. I hope several of you will come tonight to Missy's event and bring your hope and your prayers and your money. I hope we have to start a waiting list to go to Miami next year, that you'll just have to wait your turn. I hope you'll email our partner in Antwerp, Janae Angel, sometime this week. Tell her you prayed for her today. I hope we'll find all kind of ways to show our support to these hosts of Jesus' love. But I'm also not going to let us off the hook there either. Because what Jesus modeled is this upside-down way of the kingdom of God. Tax collectors and sinners came near to Jesus because he saw everyone made as in the image of God and saw what was precious inside of them and something about that accepting love drew people close. Jesus has no caste system. Jesus has no inside group. Jesus doesn't have any crowd that makes him uncomfortable. It made the religious and society crowd crazy, as I said. But Jesus came to do a new thing, and everybody, everybody was invited. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her book, Holy Envy, says this. The only clear line I draw these days is this. When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor... I will choose my neighbor. Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. In the parables for today, God is down on all fours searching for the lost. Our job is to adopt the spirit of hospitality that invites people to come close enough to hear about the God who is on all fours looking for them. The God who is sweeping the house to find what is lost. And when those things happen, when we model the hospitality that invites people to hear this life-changing word, and salvation happens in the mix of it, the story ends in absolute joy. The end of the parable, the lost sheep. I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner, the lost coin, 
I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner. Salvation starts in welcome and ends in joy. And our job is to do the welcome. God does the saving, and we all get to do the celebrating. Thanks be to God.